Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara with Can A Girl Speaks Podcast. And um, tonight, um, I want to welcome a very special young lady. Um, I'm so uh, thankful that she was able to pencil me in. And she drove all the way down from uh, uh, Dallas to be on uh, the Can A Girl Speaks Podcast. And before we get started, I wanted to um, uh, let the listening audience, um, not, not just let the listening audience know, but um, when the recording releases, um, uh, I'm wanting the listening audience just to continue to pray for uh, Bishop Lewis, William Lewis Jr.'s family, um, because when the recording uh, releases, um, we would have already had the funeral services for him. And just know that um, we are praying, continue prayer for the Lewis family and also the Greater Love Outreach Fellowship, Outreach mm-hmm. family, and just the whole entire entire community. So, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead um, and um, have my uh, guest on th- on this evening um, go ahead and introduce herself. And um, so, without further ado. Go ahead. Thank you, Barbara. Um, <laughs> my name is Amanda Johnson, and I am born and raised right here from Corsicana, Texas. Um, it, I'm humbled to be here tonight to speak with you on Can A Girl Speaks, the podcast. And a little bit about me. Um, I am a mother of two children. I have a 21-year-old and a 13-year-old and a new grandbaby, so I'm pretty excited about that. Welcome to the grandparents' land. I'm, I'm in there now. <laughs> and um, as far as professionalism goes, um, I'm a 23-year veteran in the bank. Um, I'm a business initiatives consultant for Wells Fargo. It's what I do um, professionally, and my passion, of course, is teaching and speaking and um, encouraging people, and I'm also a qualified uh, international life coach through Beautiful You Coaching Academy. So that's that's what I do. I live and breathe um, just encouraging people um, on a personal level as well as professional. All right. So um, I wanted to bring her on because... Um, I've watched her journey, um, not just um, on the spiritual side as far as church, but I also watched her journey even on her life coaching. And I know that Mm -hmm. um, she's uh, made the plunge into doing that as um, professionally as a life Mm -hmm. coach. And so I wanted to bring her on because a couple weeks ago we had some young ladies on that talked about um, relationship them being single parents and also being uh, single women mm-hmm. and so I wanted to bring Amanda on to continue the conversation about um, women and relationships and so because mm-hmm. she has um, some experience in life coaching I want her to you know talk let's talk let's just have the conversation because um, this day and time I think we need to have we need to have more of that you know mm-hmm. especially with um, just, just, just the different things that are taking place in our society now, and um, also to be able to maybe spread a message to other other women out there that may have questions about relationships and maybe some of the struggles that they may have. And so, Amanda, um, just uh, I guess what, where we can start at is just um, I guess your on your personal level, you know, just kind of give the audience, you know, some of your background about um, just being uh maybe one at one time married and then now mm-hmm. single and so just um kind of like we'll be we just piggyback on what some of the women that i had on last time were talking about just being single and um the, the some of the challenges and maybe just some of the just just maybe some hope or some okay. um, advice you know to the, to the listening audience sure i am divorced 
and um, I got married really, really early. Um, I, that's all I knew to do was to get married. So I was married by the age of 21 and divorced by the age of 24. And I am 42 now. Uh, well, soon to be 42. Um, and you and don't look it and she does not look it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so the majority of my life has been lived as a single woman. Um, I've never been a um, single mother because fortunately for me, the father has always been there over the years. So I've, I've never been a, a single mother, really. But I have lived um, the majority of my life as a single woman. Now, that journey for me, um, for one, l let me say this. I'm I'm happily divorced. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like I got married way too early before I knew myself. Yeah. And um, my first marriage, when when I did that and I agreed to it, it was because I felt like it was the right thing to do. Mm. That's that's what you do. You get married and you settle down and you have a family. And it was a really type of a fantasy type of thing or an expectation type of thing and so it made that marriage very hard for me um coming from the kind of family that I come from and my parents is Joseph and Charlene Johnson she's yes. um deceased but those are my parents and I grew up in the church and um I've always been encouraged to be somebody to be the best person that I that I can be and I'm a very forward-thinking person so in my marriage I quickly found out that that type of mentality really doesn't work well in a marriage type of um, environment but I didn't really have um, I'm not gonna say I wasn't taught because I was taught in the church um, like many people is taught in the Christian church um, to, to uphold myself as a young lady, to keep myself as a young lady, um, ways that I carry myself. But I will tell you that all of that teaching, I know now at my, this age that it was fear based teaching. Yeah. It was, you know, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant yeah. or don't have sex because the boy won't marry you or you'll go to hell. You know, yeah. everything that I was taught in the church was from a, a don't do it because you're bad yeah. type of mentality. So it wasn't it was telling me what not to do, but not really telling me what wow. to do. Mm -hmm. And my parents um, was married before my mother passed away. My parents was married 40 years. Wow. And um, I grew up in a two-parent home with all of my siblings. And looking at my mom and my dad, I thought marriage just works. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just thought it magically <laughs> happens. You know, you get married yeah. and it just works it out. You know, my, my parents are married. My grandparents are married. Uh, my aunts and uncles were married. Yeah. You know, so I never really, really saw divorce. And so um, with all of that being said... I just really wasn't equipped for marriage. Mm. I, I was not equipped for marriage. I knew everything. Um, I was so judgmental. I wanted to lead the house. I wanted to, um, I didn't really accept my husband, even though he chose me. And it was fine during dating. Once we were married, I was like, you can do this and you can do this and you can be this and you can be that. And I started like putting a lot of 
pressure on him to be someone that he was not. Mm. And he didn't grow up in the church like I grew up in the church. And so I was forcing him and making deals to go to church on Sundays and all kinds of stuff. And it was just to keep appearances. Yeah. It was really just to keep appearances because I wanted my family to look a certain way from the outside. So I flipped that thing all the way upside down and I'm divorced because (laughs) I'm divorced because of it. And understandably so, because I had a lot to learn. I mean, it was it was something that I don't wish that anybody go through because there's definitely couples that meet very young in life. And they if both come from the church you have that pressure on yeah. top of you to stay together. Yeah. Even if you're like roommates, um, stay together, you know, yeah. <laughs> it don't have to be a happy marriage, but it's marriage. And it's the perception. It's the perception. Yes. Yeah. It's a perception of yeah. marriage. And so when both people come from the church, you know, you can go through those kind of years and then later on, you find your groove in the marriage. But when one person didn't come from marriage, yeah. didn't come from the church and the other one did, that person just gives up. Yeah. And um, that's what happened. And shortly after um, my marriage, my first response was, I mean, I did everything. I was trying to be the good girl that I was raised to be. I was only 24 years old. Um, I was a mother of a young baby. My daughter, I think, was like two, two years, two and a half years old. I had just graduated from Dallas Baptist University. And my husband did stay there long enough for me to graduate from college. Mm. I graduated December 2001 with a corporate finance degree. And by March of 2002, he was gone. And so... Um, From that point, I did kind of feel a little bit of relief because I was unequally yoked. But at the same time, the shame that comes with divorce, it kind of seared my heart a little bit. And I was kind of bitter and didn't really want to come around the church. And I just decided to live my life the way I wanted to live my life. I kind of rebelled, I guess, from the church way of doing things and ended up on the other side of life. And I have a wonderful testimony (laughs) of being a prodigal daughter (laughs) because of it. Um, So, but being out there in the world as a divorced woman, an educated black woman, a girl from the church that spells disaster all the way across the board because mm. I was really green out. Not only was I not really equipped for marriage, I wasn't equipped for the way the world really mm-hmm. is yes. and the way people really are. Mm. So some people may look at where I am today and feel like my life has been perfect. Um, I've had people tell me, you know, you live life through rose colored glasses, but that is so far from the truth. Um, as a single, um, woman, um, like I never really experienced anything, um, other than normal co-parenting, um, with my ex-husband, we thank God for that. But being a single woman, I've experienced domestic violence, Um, I've been cheated on. I've been lied to. I've been, um, expecting, you know, relationships from men in the church as well as men on the outside of the church. And they didn't turn out, you know, in a hopeful way, but yet I'm still standing. I'm still optimistic. I am not a bitter black lady. Um, I'm not any of those things. I'm not a bit, a bitter single mother or 
just in general, I'm not. And the reason why I'm not is because of that early upbringing in church. That one thing about me is I truly am connected to God, the source, yeah. not religion. Religion to me, I'm not a religious person at all. Um, religion to me is just a set of rules to keep appearances. And that's the way I started my life out. Yeah. <clears throat> but something happens when I went out there and I was treated less than kind to have to find my self-esteem. And I found my self-esteem by going right back to what I was taught was the word of God. Mm. And um, knowing that Christ died on the cross for my sins and that God loves me so much, it took it took God. It, now, this is a journey that took like years. Yeah. It wasn't overnight. But I began to see God the Father as a loving God who's a brilliant infinite mm -hmm. god in my life that has a tapestry that was so beautiful versus the fear-based god that was just waiting to smite me every time <laughs> i do something and i'm going to hell see that that type of mindset going to hell fear-based brought a lot of regret shame guilt low self-esteem, fear, anger, all those things that's at the lower levels of human consciousness. Th that's what I felt during that time. Mm. But when I started to see myself from a different perspective and a different God, a God of love, uh, understanding God so much that he sent his son, I began to see myself differently mm. that I'm just trying to figure this out. I, I wasn't born knowing everything and I'm going to make those mistakes. And these things that happened to me, there are only to build me. I started seeing my life that way. Mm -hmm. And that scripture, Romans 8 and 28, I live by that scripture because that scripture says all things work together for my good. Now, I want to tell you that my parents, my father and my mother have always told me that at, only at the age of four, it was prophesied in church that I would be a mender of broken hearts at the age of four. But we know with prophecy, no one tells you what that individual is going to go through oh, yeah. in <laughs> order to be to become that prophecy. And I look back over my life now sitting here talking to you. And I said, because of all of that, all these years of being broken hearted, and working through my things, seeing myself through the eyes of God and not people, not even the eyes of church, just the eyes of God and working on myself and understanding that, okay, this happened. All right. I missed it there. Okay. How, can, what did I learn from that experience? How can I grow from that experience? Where can I tweak things? I mean, every person I come in contact with, every experience that I have is just a stepping stone. And I truly think like that. Mm. And that comes from Romans 12 and 2. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the renewal of the mind was to get out of the way the world see this, not even just the church, but the way the world see things with materialistic stuff and the way my body look and how much is in my bank account. It was like, don't worry about all of that. 
just look at me mm -hmm. and know that wherever you are in life, whatever you've gone through, it's going to work for your good. Mm -hmm. It's a purpose to it. I'm using it. And here I am 20 something years later and I'm able to encourage everybody else that you can make it. Yeah. You can do it. You don't have you don't have to give up all from knowing who I am in God, knowing how to properly apply the word of God. I didn't rewrite the Bible. I just reread it yeah. and reapplied the scriptures to my life. And so as a single woman, I have to say that there was a time that I probably could have sit here and bashed everything about black men and relationships. But now I don't have that stance. Like I'm happy and I'm aligning with everything in my life and whatever I desire in my heart, I can have it. All things are well. So do you see that you're on a mission to help heal broken women? I mean, you know, absolutely. Because, um, and I guess um, it has, you know, I always say charity starts at home and spreads abroad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as your, as your message goes out, as you, as you're on this journey of being, you know, um, a woman to, you know, go out and spread, you know, your life, you know, your life coaches and all that. So how do how do you reach Especially, you know, your familiar people, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we, we tend to, you know, can can reach the, the masses of people that we don't know. But what about, like, let's just say women in our community, you know, okay. because we, you know, I, I, you know, I always I look I look back on I look at my community and I go, we have a lot of broken women, mm -hmm. you know, and like I said, from bad relationships to, you know, just the, the, the whole experience. And so what what can you do to help? you know, reach the, uh, you know, the, the, the familiar, you know, your familiar territory, you mm -hmm. know, the, that, 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 that group, you be, know, being the change that I, I wish to see in the world. The, the biggest thing I can do is be, be who I authentically am and allow them to watch me. And that is really the real reason that I post so much on Facebook. Yeah. That's the reason why I'm here tonight is because I'm very, my life is an open book yeah, and that is testimonial yeah. Yeah, is the, the most impactful. Yeah. Um, you can have all the theology you want. You can have all the books that you want, but when you see, when you have a person who lived it and a lot of the people here from Corsicana, they knew me from a child. They knew me in my earlier high school years. They, um, some, a lot of them moved right there to Dallas where yeah. I'm at. So they've seen me at different stages of my life. And so they've watched this testimony. And all the time I get, you know, I have a, a few clients here. Well, several clients here from, <laughs> from Corsicana. And we talk about things. And and the fact that I've I've been out there and I'm going to get the information and bringing it back. Knowledge is power. Yeah, it is. Just simply knowing how to look at that situation differently that it didn't work against you nothing happens to you it happens for you and just having these conversations you know people walk away encouraged mm -hmm. and seeing their life differently so the the biggest thing i can do is just be the change that i wish to see in the world so and do you believe in the do you i'm not believing it but what about the term hurt people hurt people that's an absolutely you know, true statement know, and so i think Sometimes that that's what's going on is you have a lot of hurt people and mm -hmm. then they hurt people. Hurt you know? people hurt people and healed people heal people. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it goes both, both ways. ways. It goes both it ways. It goes goes both ways. But it's true. Um 
the way it is in relationships and things of that nature is everybody is walking around. I heard it described this way is we're all flesh with wounds. And when you touch a person, everybody's all oh, that hurts. All mm-hmm. oh, that hurts. And even when you're trying to hug a person in a loving way, all oh, that hurts. Everybody has wounds. And so um, that is the reason why a hurting person, because the lens of the way they live life and what has happened to them and what they've gone through has distorted their vision. And then one distortion is talking to another distortion Mm -hmm. and there's there's no truth. It's just the perspective and the reality of what the two individuals come together and they have. And it doesn't always make a good recipe of life. Sometimes it's a disaster. However, with that being said, there's um, I love I love um, the church. I love the Bible. I love Christianity. That is my foundation. But I also study spiritual principles and universal principles, which transcends anything man, right? Because it's, it's, it's the universal law is going to work. It's like the law of gravity. Whether we acknowledge it or not, gravity is at work. Yeah. And so I, I said that to say that regardless of how two people Whatever they experienced, I read in this book because called the Celestine Prophecy that it's an agreement that the two people have when they come together to teach each other something about life. And when I read that in that book, it opened up a world like, ah, <laughs> you know, it opened up a world um, to just say that, you know, even if you have a if you okay, take it for instance, let me explain this. If I'm a person who and we actually see this on a lot of like cartoons and things like that. They depict it in there. But if I'm a person who wished to have courage and someone comes along and I experience a situation where I have to be a person of courage. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a person of courage because of that experience. But there's no way I could have develop that characteristic had I not had the problem Mm -hmm. if I wanted to be a person a patient person so I want to have more patience I don't get patience by reading about patience in a book I don't get patience by talking to a counselor I get patience by having difficult situations come into my life that require me to be a patient person person. (laughs) (laughs) and so when you start to see life From that spiritual lens that truly Romans 8 and 28 comes alive. The Bible comes alive in your life and it becomes fun. Um, It doesn't become a burden. You're not bitter. You're just like, ah, I prayed for patience. And hey, here you are. My son here that's, you know, (laughs) that's doing whatever. Or my daughter that's doing whatever. Or my spouse that's doing whatever. They're teaching me patience. Mm. And you realize how everything is truly just working for you. Nothing's working against you. And even some of the the craziest situations with, you know, relationships like with me, I've had relationships, but I have a journal also that after every date I go on and after every experience, I sit down and I write, what did I get from this? Where did I grow? What what was there to teach me? And when you do it like that, I realize that my life is just moving. And I'm going to soon align with the man that God has for me. But there's things in me that I had to work out because of that early experience that we talked about the divorce, how I made so many mistakes. Mm -hmm. Now, I am 41 years old, January, I'll be 42. 
But my age is not what makes me wise. Yeah. You can have a person in the corporate world, we say, uh, when we interview people for jobs, we can say, well, how long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry 15 years. Okay. And then we do behavioral questions. Tell me of a time when you did this. Why do we do that? Because you can have a person be in a job for 15, 20 years, but they didn't learn anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, they can still be operating on the level of a person with two years mm-hmm. experience because of how they applied themselves. Well, the same thing happens in relationships. Just because I'm old and I've had a whole bunch of bad There's no such thing as bad, but I've had less than perfect or what I wanted to turn out to be experiences. It doesn't make them a waste. It doesn't make it a waste of time. If I look at it correctly, what did I learn? And that's what I do. And I keep finding things that I need to fix within myself. Mm -hmm. Nothing in my relationship is external. It's internal. The Bible say he that finds a wife finds a good thing. It didn't say he that finds a woman, him that find a lady, a bae, a boo. (laughs) It didn't say that it said a wife, meaning I have to be in that wife energy before he even finds me. The ring is not what make me a wife. The proposal is not what make me a wife. It's what have I done with those years? How have I applied every experience to my life to get into that characteristic of being that good wife, that Proverbs 31, that Proverbs 31 wife? What have I learned about myself? It's not external for me. It's internal. And as soon as the work is done, that man that I'm that I'm waiting on, (laughs) not waiting, but that man that I'm aligning with. Yeah. Um, he'll be there yeah, so, right on time. So um, do you find, you know, I, I'm, I've noticed because I have a lot, I have some uh, friends that are single and I've noticed that, you know, they're on these these journeys where they're like Tinder and, or they're like, you know, just that kind of, you know, that the, the Tinder, mm-hmm. you know, dating sites and all that. And so mm-hmm. um, then you have all these different, you know, programs on TV now, you know, mm-hmm. Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know, programs like that. And so it seems like, now in our I guess society now that's just the norm now you know Mm -hmm. and so how do you encourage you know women out there you know to to do the right thing as far as you know weight or you know how 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 do you explain to you know young ladies out there you know just because you know like you said you've had one you know one hiccup or whatever you know, how do you mm-hmm. how do you tell them to wait or to, like you said, discover who you are first? Because you have mm-hmm. so many women now that just they jump, jump, jump different men and all that. And, you know, then it seems to be you seem to always end up being hurt mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So well, what kind of life, advice can you give on that as far as, you know, just being a life coach? You know what? Mm-hmm. You know, explain. I mean, I guess talk about that, you know, mm-hmm. as far as I'm going to I'm going to say life is the best teacher. Yeah. Regardless of what a person do. I, as a life coach, I have to be very cognizant of telling people how their life should be. That's not my job. In the church, that's what we do. We have a way that things should look and we want everybody to align with that pattern. But as a life coach, it's not my job to tell anyone what the pattern of their life is. So explain explain to the listening audience what, what a life coach is. Okay. So a life coach is not a counselor, number one. A counselor is a person who helps um, people work on their paths 
whatever you know mishaps they've had they help them work through their past a life coach is a person that once you've worked through your past and you're ready to move forward we help you go through the questions ask yourself the right questions do the do the work in order to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish in order to get the outcome that is best for you so and and that's actually why I went to school because in the church I you just tell people what to do according yeah. to the word of God. Yeah. But in today's time even with raising my children that that doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work, you know. Um they actually rebel more. Yeah. And so I needed to learn how because to they hold ask, space. They, they always seem to ask the question why. You know, you yeah. we we tell you to do this but they then they come back and say but well, why? Exactly. You know, and so then we when we have to, then you have to get that explain why mm-hmm. you know so yeah ex- ex- explain why and then also trust that the same infinite God the same Holy Spirit that is working in me is also working in that child I have to be careful that my limiting beliefs is not holding my child back yeah. You know, who knows what what God has given my child mm-hmm. so I have to be able to cultivate that in them without not always imposing on it because I'm from a whole different time Mm -hmm. than my children. I do things differently and just like hard work is uh, what, what makes me promotable at work. That's not true for, kids they're like i run my own business i have yeah. my own idea i don't have to go to college yeah, especially the and millennials i've had an episode yes of <laughs> yes and so sometimes we think our way is the right way and the only way but with coaching it gives a person the space to figure out what is right for them so on the dating realm with a person who decides that they want to be on tinder they want to continue having dates who am i to say that those are bad experiences that's true No, I applaud that person for being courageous enough to keep their heart open again and back on the app because you have so many people who sit stagnant waiting on God. Yeah. And I put my quotations up waiting on God because they fear meeting new people. So at the so I I never thought about it. I never looked at it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a person is like, okay, one bad relationship, I'm back out there again. Hey, that's a reason to clap. Mm. Now, again, what they do with that time that they're out there, if they didn't learn anything from the last relationship, guess what? Life will give them the same exact type of person with the same lesson until they get the it. Yeah. So you're going to either learn this the easy way or you're going to learn it the, <laughs> the hard, hard way. way. <laughs> but either way it goes, that person will eventually get the desires of their heart. So I don't see getting on the app and having relationship after relationship is bad. Or I'm something that a person that. shouldn't do. That, that gave me an understanding because because I'm I'm like mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to figure out okay so why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Which I'm not single, so I'm like okay, but that's the mm-hmm. new thing now. Stay in the you game know, okay. until you find what you're looking for. <laughs> you know that's I mean when we talk about relationships, we yeah. get into a lot of different dynamics when it comes to relationships. But you think about it, if a person was unemployed. And they go on one job and didn't get it. You wouldn't tell them to stop applying for jobs. You would say, go to the next one and go to the next Next one one until you get that job that you're looking for. So that is the path that that person has chosen is to stay in the game, fall down seven times, get up eight. Hmm. That's their journey. My job as a life coach would be to help them in between those relationships to put some uh, the pencil to the paper to get clearer on what they want. What they want. 
Get clearer on who they are so that they can continue to align because eventually each person will get better and better and better and better and then they will have their 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 soulmate so i I encourage that (laughs) and so that that's what i have to say about the dating sites um and then people who don't want to get on them you have some people that they um and that's the kind of person that i am i recently got on dating sites because i've been opposed to that because i meet so many people in my everyday life Mm -hmm. that i didn't think that was necessary but at the dating site those people are there to meet someone for the same purpose that i'm on there Mm -hmm. in my day-to-day life business church and stuff that's not the purpose so it's a it's just a place where you can meet people so how do you you know, let's go. You know, I guess let's go back to the church realm. How do you get the the church community to understand that? Most of them you know, do understand it. They understand. They that. understand it now because in the churches, there's more women than there are men. Yeah. If you are a true shepherd and you value family and you love your the women in your church as your daughters, Mm -hmm. you would not encourage them to stay single. You would want them to be married because their bodies deserve to be married. Their mind deserve to be married. Their world, their earthly experience deserves marriage. So what about the term when people say I can do, I can do bad all by myself. You know, have you heard, you've heard that term. Yeah, you are doing bad all by yourself. (laughs) It's a true statement. You can do bad all by yourself. That is because sometimes, you know, you know, you, you, you talked earlier mm-hmm. and you said, um, you know, sometimes when sometimes men, they shy away from strong black women, mm-hmm. you know, they shy away from that. And so how do we get away from that, that kind of term or, well, you, know, you know, because some of some of the women have been raised to mm-hmm. have to take care of household, have to do a lot of stuff. And so a lot of times that's just what, that's just what it is, you know? And so now you have a, a lot of men out there that are like running from strong black women. I mean, it's like it's like a as they should, as they should. And I and this is going to be very controversial, um, what I'm about to say. But there's a lot of distortion in African American women, not black women in skin, not black women that are not um, descendants of the slave trade. I'm specifically talking about that, the British slave trade. And the reason being is because we don't have time in this hour to discuss all of it. But a lot of the things that's in our DNA comes from slavery, removing the masculine man from the home to break down the family so that families, black families as slaves were easier to maintain as slaves. See, that was part of the whole Whitney Lynch letter was to remove the masculine man from the home, breed him like an animal. That way he has children over here in at this farm. He has children over here and his his focus is split. His loyalty is split. See, that was to tear down the black families from the very beginning. We talked about the Willie Lynch letters Mm -hmm. uh, a a couple a, a couple of. I guess episodes mm-hmm. ago and that that mm-hmm. was brought up and so it's very true yeah, yeah. it's still true in today's time that because it was done like that families um it women became the cotton pickers they became the women who ran the home because there was no male there yeah. by design yeah. the male children if they rebelled against the master it was the mother who threw herself in front of the child to protect her children you can come to today's time and you still have 
have black mothers throwing themselves in front of their sons yeah. because that has continued to be what we was yeah, we were taught. Exactly. Yeah. We were conditioned um, to do it that way. And so what has happened is a traditional role has changed the the anatomy the makeup um have you heard of masculine and feminine polarity the way that we are built it, it's just switched now to where black women african-american women carry more masculinity than they do femininity black men more and more are coming out as living alternative lifestyles, loving another man. Why? Because they're more feminine these days, being raised by their mothers in the prison system where there are no females. And so they interact with one another yeah. in inappropriate ways. It turns them out and then they come back into the world and it's all distorted. So there's this is all kind of like um, just a way to continue to keep black families not united we really have not grown no, past slavery days no. because we're still doing the same thing um you have just like we talked about me being degreed and working in corporate america a lot of times i earn more than the men that that approach me as suitors and their their insecurities pop up even though i'm just a feminine woman that wants to be loved money throw it in a in a bucket we don't know who brought what dollar home that's my mentality but also when you have see the slave master was smart and is still working to today's time because when you make a black woman the head of the household through her money and her provisions and her protections you leave nothing for the black man to do you have a lot of black men who come, they want to cook, they want to clean, they want to do all of these things. But that's truly what I'm not taking us back to 1950. That's not what I'm doing. I'm talking higher than that. I'm talking about the way a woman is made, her makeup. Yes, you can protect. Yes, you can provide. But at what cost? Breast cancer, fibroids, hmm. hypothyroidism cancers we have more of those type of diagnosis mental health illnesses yeah. amongst black women you know why because they're operating in a in a role that their bodies cannot contain for long periods of time yes you can do it for survival but some people live their entire lives never experiencing pleasure never aligning to their mate in the proper polarity between masculine and feminine and they just live their whole lives and end up big mama who dry, who dies from diabetes that's true never having experienced any pleasure all the way back from slavery so so how can we get to the point where it's all because to me i think it is it's all about empowerment it you is know? and so where do where do we where can we start with the empowerment piece? You know, I mean, where, True. where, where do we start with that? That's the history of it. The go forward basis is being willing to realize that that is the truth of our situation. Number one, realize that we have not been taught how to do what a woman is really supposed to do with her mate, which is to love him, respect him inspire him and desire him that's the role of a woman not to protect provide lead and guide we once we know that we have to be willing to learn from people who are non-black americans non-african americans and that is exactly what i did um the saddest thing happened to me um 
in my church, I've, I've been single a long time. And the church that I go to is 95% Zimbabwean and they do arranged marriages. And for me, I was like, great, that's good. You know, I'll get a husband. They'll bring one to me. But my pastor continued to take my picture. He would take my background. He would take my bio. And he could not understand for, I mean, he went to other countries, everything. And he could not understand for the life of him why no one was interested in me. Wow. I didn't know all of this was going on because, you know, and culturally arranged marriages are secretive. Mm -hmm. You know, they just call the girl in and say, this gentleman is interested in you. We think he's a good fit. Um, But I had never been called in and I got elected to the National Board of Single Women at a large conference. Hundreds of people were there and they decided to introduce the board um, to the new board to everyone. And we were called on stage. And naturally, I went on stage. I was the treasurer of the group. And after that, my pastor tells me that a young man who had recently went through um, the process of selecting a bride, a wife through um, through the church came up to him and said, I had no idea this girl from your assembly, Amanda, was single. I always thought she was married. Oh, really? And my pastor was like, what is going on? So he has this conversation and he calls me in, Barbara, for like a counseling session. I just get a call that says, come to the pastor's house. And I get there and he was like, tell me, are you single during the day and at night? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what's going on? He was like, and then that's when I found out that he had been calling bishops. Our church is in 128 countries. Oh, wow. It's a huge church. And so he had called bishops. He had did a lot of legwork because he knew that was the desire of my heart. And um, he was like, I just don't understand why, you know, no one is picking you up. And then this guy thinks you're married. And he was like, you have marriage energy. That was the first time that I heard the word energy. (laughs) It came from my pastor. And I began to do searches. I I was confused by that. Like, what's wrong with me? And so I I started doing a lot of searching online. And that's when I found out about masculine and feminine polarity. That how a person you can literally not not register at all. And this is the reason why I believe that people are not really waiting on God. I feel like it's work that needs to be done in order to cultivate that feminine to where when you do when I am sitting in a room with men, they are attracted to me. They don't see me as just a business partner. Yeah, I get it. They didn't see me as someone to date. They mm-hmm. saw me as someone they respect, an elder <laughs> yeah. in the church. Yeah. You know, I got out and I would get men that say, you know, I just, I, I don't know, you're such a good girl. And I'm like, but I want to be a wife. <laughs> but that is exactly what yeah. was happening yeah. is they was registering that masculine, protective, mm-hmm. provision, yeah. leading, guiding the male aspects. Yeah. They yeah. was getting that from me and not the softer side yeah. that is, there was no room for that in my life. Yeah. Being in corporate America in the church. So what I did, and this is the solution, is I found a school, um, a femininity school. And I started learning from women who are not black women. I started learning from women who are black skin, but they did not grow up in the slave trade. Mm. So they have the right perspective, the way that marriage should look. They don't feel less than. They don't feel weak because they are a stay-at-home mom. It's interesting. I saw a post um, not too long ago that said even an African-American man will date an African-American woman and expect her to pay bills 50-50, but 
if it the marriage doesn't work out, he'll find someone from another culture and allow her to stay home and nurture the children. Oh, wow. And we have seen that. We've seen it. So if this is the same man, why is it that he wants a black woman to be strong and pull weight like a man, but a woman of another race or another ethnicity, she's soft and delicate. All of a sudden he can provide for the home. He goes to work and he leads, he guides, he protects, he provides. See life. We talked about universal principles. There's a balance there. Yeah. Even in homosexual relationships, there's still going to be a masculine and a feminine. One X more masculine, one X more feminine. So if your husband is acting more feminine, then who's the one that's masculine yeah. in the home? So all we have to do is learn how to cultivate the feminine aspect of us and get back to our true nature. We don't have to be strong. Get out of the ego yeah. and allow yourself to be loved. Allow yourself to be protected and provided for. And then all of a sudden, the men will rise up to the occasion. And that's exactly what's happening to me in my life. As I continue to, I don't need to go out there searching. I'm, in, I'm inviting the masculine into my life everywhere I go. I don't talk so much anymore. Yeah. I don't have to lead. I don't have to guide. I don't have to be the one who knows everything. Even if I can get my own groceries, if the man is coming to get, get the groceries for me or get the door for me, or even my son, he checks mom. Are you okay? My men are starting to nurture me more. Why? Because I've stepped back and given them back their place. Wow. So that, I have I have really enjoyed that. That that is that is very eye opening. Mm -hmm. It is. And I'm hoping that whoever's listening to this podcast um really, really just listens to it and just takes the information. And I'm hoping that you know they reach out to you. Because I think mm -hmm. that you have a lot of information, a lot of a lot of knowledge to share to you know anybody women, you know, that are that are wanting to learn more about mm -hmm. like themselves, you know, and just go you know, just even just Go through whatever, go through this journey, go through, go through, help them go through their journey. Have know? an open mind. Yeah. Just have, you know, it's a choice to be bitter. Yeah. It's a choice to be broken. Yeah. Have an open mind, what we call a beginner's mind. Begin again. Be willing to learn from someone who is getting it right. Instead yeah. of despising every time you see a, a woman working from home or she's lazy or she's this or she's that. Learn to breathe and desire some of that. We all know we're working too hard. Yeah. yeah. So who are you trying to prove to? Yeah, that's true. Relax. Let those masculine men, let those kings <laughs> rise up. And we take we take our our place too beside them. What's so wrong with that? Yeah. Recondition our minds. Like Romans 12 and 2 says, you know, transform your mind. Renew it. Think differently. Yeah. Be open to an, another way. Well, man, I have enjoyed the conversation. I really have. And I'm hoping that, um, like I said, you get some business out of it. You know, I'm hoping so. As long as somebody let, listens, yeah, yeah. That, that's I, the biggest I'm, thing. And, um, I know they will. You know, I know they mm -hmm. will. And I know they'll reach out to you. And so um, I want you to, um, you know, I, I give, I give uh, my, the, my guests opportunity to do their shout outs. If you want to do a shout out, mm -hmm. you know, to anybody out in um, the listening audience. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity. But I really, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming down, driving mm -hmm. down and um, talking about, you know, you know, your, 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 your experience, your, you know, your past relationships and just, you know, just talking to, you know, me and talking to those, you know, talking to those out in the listening audience and, I just really appreciate it. So mm -hmm. 
I want to shout out to my dad, Joseph Johnson Sr., because he is the role model of a masculine man that I've been talking about. And I want to thank him for his for being that masculine man, that role model that I know now that I, I can have that. Yeah. And so I, I want to thank him for even loving me now at, at my age. He's, you know, he, uh, Barbara, he still gives me gas money. <laughs> my dad still gives me gas money. That is a protector and a That's provider. So I want to, I want to just give that shout out to my dad and my older brother and my uncle for being the men that they are, um, that have allowed me to be as feminine as I am. Thank right. you. Anybody else you want to take? Say anything to your little grandbaby, even though your grandbaby, your grandbaby. My little grandbaby. <laughs> <laughs> he won't hear this, but no. <laughs> no, my children, they're there. They have um um yes. Shout out to them too because they have truly um been a part of this journey. I leave the country all the time. I've studied a lot. I've been a corporate mom and um haven't been as nurturing to them because I was protected and providing. So they have sacrificed as well. So I'll I'll take this opportunity to say thank you to my children. And my ex-husband right. as well for being my village um, that allowed me to do what God has called me to do. Alright. So with that being said, I wanna uh, I just appreciate you again, Amanda, for coming out and coming down. Yeah. And so you have a awesome Thanksgiving. Thank you. Know, you you and, too. Um, just continue just to be just to continue just to shine, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing your um you know, your business grow. Thank you know, you. I really, I'm, because I'm, I'm paying attention. I think other people are paying attention too. <laughs> Thank I think you. You're gonna, you're gonna do well in your life, coach. So, anyway, with that being said, so with that being said, I want to say um, uh, happy holidays to everybody out in, uh, in the listening audience, and you have a awesome night. Thank you. Can a Girl Speaks podcast is recorded at Shred Shed Studio. Shred Shed Studio, where you get big city production at small town prices. Recording, mixing, mastering, guitar instruction, production, and songwriting. Find out more at shredshedstudio.com or email your inquiries to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at shredshedstudio.com the premier music studio in Corsicana, Texas.